The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks, Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Richard. Darren. So we've got a special day coming up January 23rd. And it marks a very special day uh, in the theory side at least because of the birthday of Master of Yoga, Dr. George King, who was the medium, of course, for the Nine Freedoms, which is the focus of our show. And also, um, you know, the person who provided the commentary on these teachings, revealing his own outstanding wisdom. Wonderful man. 105th, 105th. Birthday. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Birthday. Yeah. Um, well, we're very lucky, I would say, to have his biography, which anyone who hasn't seen, it's uh, the King who came to Earth, written by Richard, together with um, Brian Kniep. But I think we're also very lucky to have people like yourself who actually spent time with him uh, throughout. I'm the lucky life. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're lucky too because we have you as a okay. bridge to him. I think. Thank you. Um, and you know, I think that what that gives us is maybe an insight or, or an in with some of the personal stories and experiences that, that you may be willing to share you yeah. know, about your time with I him. I mean, in the biography, because our problem was what to leave out, as sure. you can imagine. Yeah. And so we focused on the big picture throughout. Yeah. I mean, there are some anecdotes in there, yeah. but it's not full of personal a- anecdotes. It's really the main events in his life. So. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of room for talking about that, yes. Yeah, and, I, and that's what I'd love to do today, actually. I mean, I, I'd love to, you know, to, you know, whichever, whatever you may be willing to offer and share to, to our listeners. I mean, I think people, you know, masters are so rare, aren't they? And, and I, you know, people yeah. say, so what was he like? You know, exactly. Simple question. Exactly. What was he actually like? Because there, is, there used to be this sort of um, idea, all masters are the same. Mm. You know, they, they, they fall into a certain mold. Absolutely, there are more distinguishing features about different masters than there are about ordinary people. Yeah. They are all very individual and very different one from another. Yeah. I mean, they're joined by their realization of God and their total, I mean, if they're in the case of Dr. King, as I think our viewers know, we certainly believe he was an avatar, but even Mm. if you just regard him as a master of yoga from, from earth, I mean, he was, very different in mm. character, approach, let us say, from Master Jesus. Totally. Uh, or from Buddha. Mm. Uh, they're all very different, and uh, they, they put their stamp on their own set of teachings and their own missions. Now that's, that's actually one thing that I want to kind of go into today, because, you know, if you just read, like, the tabloid summary of his life or something, you'd be like, yeah, okay, well, you know, this, this, or even a spiritual person, to be honest, mm. would be like, that doesn't really fit my kind of view of what some, a flower-toting yogi would kind of be like. Or Not what a you, flower-toting yogi, <laughs> Or what you might sure. expect, you know, because yeah. of what you see elsewhere. And yeah. usually the heritage coming out of True. India, that's what most people are exposed yeah. to. But he was so different. He went out yeah. of his way to not be that. Mm. Uh, he... I don't want to say he adopted a persona, because that makes it sound fake. Mm-hmm. He assumed a perfectly legitimate, genuine persona, but quite deliberately. Because after all, he was here, he was, he, he, he was really of a, an alien in the most positive sense, mindset. Mm. And he was among people that were very, very different from him. Mm. And, he had, and he was also extremely advanced. He was extremely pure. Mm. Uh, you could have a telling off from him, and some of us did, 
And by and large, despite that, the energy was uh, a wonderful energy. I'm not going to say it was an enjoyable experience because your faults were being pointed out. Sure. Who likes that? Yeah, sure. Other than to learn, it would, you know, mm. with hindsight, it's a privilege. At the time, yeah, yeah. it doesn't always <laughs> I feel can like imagine, it. Yes, and yeah. he was very strict. He was mm. very disciplined. Mm. He was extremely organised. I mean, I, I have recently I had a, a short vacation and I read about one of these. I won't say flower toting, but mm. a, a certain yogi. Um, well, I'll, I'll say who it was, Ramana Maharshi, mm. uh, and a very advanced soul. Um, I, it seems to me as though he's a, a ter, a certainly a terrestrial master. I think that his followers may believe he's more than that, and mm. I respect their beliefs, but that's how it seemed to me. Interestingly, though, I did notice, though, on his passing, um, a what they called a shooting star passed slowly over the mountain where he okay, died. Well, shooting sorry, <laughs> shooting stars don't do that. Yeah. That was a UFO, folks. Mm. Um, but that, of course, could just signify mm. that he was appreciated, noted, mm. and so on by the powers that be. But he did not, from all I could detect, and he made a point of it, actually. I mean, he, he spent a lot of time in silence. Mm. So he did not engage himself, as far as I could tell, in the nitty-gritty running of his own ashram even, mm. never mind other things, tasks and so on. He was um, in, in this state of enlightenment. I've got no reason to say that he wasn't. Mm. And um, I'm sure he helped many people who came into contact with him and those who didn't. Mm. But very different uh, from that type of yogi, yeah. you like. And, and he was in the early part of the 20th century before Dr. King really came into his mission. Yeah. Um, so it was a different era and a different approach. I'd only give him as an example because I've looked into him and I'm sure. just taking your point. But Dr. King engaged himself in every detail of the running of the society. I don't think anybody possibly worked more with him on the running of the society than myself mm. and possibly his wife, Monique, of course, mm. um, both in America and in Britain. And, uh, you know, I was involved in advising him at the end. I was one of those who advised him on all the major moves he made for how it would be run in the future. I was very fortunate in that regard in that I saw eye to eye with him. I see. Now, that may yeah. sound an odd thing to say <laughs> because whether I did or whether I didn't is almost irrelevant. The point is what he says goes. Mm -hmm. Although I was instructed to be a very honest with him I was instructed to tell him things, even if he didn't want to hear them. Mm, difficult. Which I think is unusual. I don't know of anyone else who had that. That instruction came through him from a cosmic master. Mm, wow. Um, and I don't know of anyone else who had that instruction. And I also was told by him that, for example, when he came to, the, to England, to operate in exactly the same way as I did when he wasn't in England. Because okay. he found me, def I, def I, would def I was in charge, as it were, over here. Yeah. I would, when he was in the country, of course, I deferred entirely to him. He didn't want that. Mm -hmm. So this did mean that from time to time, you know, I would have that situation of, of disagreeing with him. Mm -hmm. He could always overrule me and did, if necessary. But by and large, my point is I was fortunate because whatever I uh, would have thought, his word would go. But... Most of the time, I was on the same page as him, just by character, just by mindset, if you sure. like. So it, that made it really good. And um, it, was, it was a real wonderful thing to work with him and work under him, advise him. And it was exciting and it was enjoyable. Not all the time, mm -hmm. no. 
Uh, but I can say, and I noticed, he dotted every I, he crossed every T. He would call you up later and say, what about this? Did we fix that? Did we yeah. do this? Uh, he was really on it. So he didn't take this flower-toting, detached yogi approach and I'll leave the basic mundane things for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Not at all. He would even engage in mundane tasks himself, like manual ones, too, yeah. at times. What would you, I mean, you know, imagining someone like coming across him for the first time and, and thinking back to your own very early experiences, I mean, what really convinced you that he was what and who he said he was? I mean, what aspects of his character do you think really stand out to you now? I, I you know, I, I've been thinking about that a bit lately because I seem to know very, very quickly. And now, this isn't a criticism of anyone. I've, I've been talking to a good friend of mine, actually, who... Um, not in London, but mm. someone who took years to, for the penny to really drop. They were around the society and so on, but then they didn't really get it fully. This is their view of it. Yeah. Uh, for some years, uh, even decades, I think, in this particular case. And then when it did, this person now is one of the most dedicated people you could possibly think of. Yeah. Um, but... With me, I got it very quickly. I was looking for... I mean, I was actually looking for a, a master of yoga. I was looking... <laughs> I was of a Yogananda mind mm. approach, you might say, very okay. devotional. And, you know, when I first did sort of get to know him, he gave me tasks right from the beginning. Uh, I mean, I remember once I, was, I walked into a theorist's house. I was still at university, but I'd come down from... at Hull, but I came yeah. down in the holidays. He was in London... And I didn't know he was in London. I was just a member who just turned up and I came to the Ethereum headquarters, which anyone can do. Yeah, People yeah. are welcome. Yeah, that's right. And I walked in the door and um, there he was. You know, I didn't know he was in the country even. I didn't see him at first. I just saw Ray Nielsen, who was then the secretary of the, of the society. And I said, oh, Ray, because I knew Ray, and I was going to ask him if there was any work for me to do. And Ray sort of frowned at me. And walked mm. on, I thought, that's a bit odd. And I walked up the stairs, and then right behind him came up the stairs from down to the lower floor, Dr. King. So that was your first moment seeing and he, him? Well, it, I had seen him. I'd run little errands kind of at a okay. distance the year before, a bit mm. in the holiday, like gone to get his photographs developed or things. But this was the next year. So it was a very early experience, mm. and he saw me there. Um, he didn't, and he said, he came, he left, he didn't follow Ray up, so he came over to me and said, did you want something, boy? Hmm... And I said, oh, sorry, sir, I, I, you know, we used to call him sir in those mm. days. I, mm. I didn't want to disturb you. I, I, I was just wondering if there's anything work for me to do. He said, come here. You know. And, and he, he looked in the window and um, the, he, he looked for a job for me, I felt. Okay. And some of the, was the nine freedoms in the window, as a matter mm. of fact. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, okay. it was being damaged in the sunlight. The cover was, it was a green cover in those days. It was okay, being yeah, damaged in it, yeah. the sunlight. And he said, do you make model books? <laughs> as if you know, do you make model as if books? That's something you do. And I said, yes. <laughs> what do you Correct say answer. That? Master asked you a question. Yeah. Yes, I make model books. <laughs> so he said, can you make some models you know, for the window so my, my books don't get damaged? Mm, then, okay. And I said, yeah. oh, yes, sir. And he said, yes, thank you. He said, okay, you do that. And then he walked off. That was like uh, the first like, one-to-one -one job, you might say, that he'd given me. Wow, yeah. Um, I had no idea how to make model books. I didn't know how to make model books. <laughs> I went down to the... I saw later that evening the person who was, who was running the art department, yeah. one Alison Snipper. Alison, name sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
I, I said to Alison, you know, Alison, can you help me here? Because I don't know how to make model books. And she did help me. And really, she made them, actually. Well, she showed me what to do. Uh, so she's been I, pulling you out since the beginning. <laughs> yes, but we weren't. I mean, Alison is my wife, as you know. But then I thought she's way out of my league. It didn't, didn't sort of, a, you know, she, yeah. she actually wasn't looking my way, I don't think. But we got the model's books made. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was a very early task I received from Dr. King. But oh. it's very compassionate because mm. he... He took an interest right from the get-go. Mm. What I would say, though, to people, and I think this is an important point to make, he was a shy person. Mm. He wasn't lacking in confidence. I've made that point before, and it sounds odd, because, again, this is all part of his alien person personality, mm. you might say, or otherworldly is perhaps a, nice, a better way perhaps, of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because on Earth, if you're shy... You, you generally lack confidence, I think. The, mm. the, the, here you had a supremely confident individual. I mean, I was very close to him. I'm very honoured. One of my greatest honours of all is that we became friends mm. some years later. Not at first, but it became a, a great friendship. And I, he actually said to me one day, um, and this is a massive privilege for me, you're one of my greatest friends on earth. Mm. And... Luckily, because it was a business conversation, the, the, the conversation was being recorded, <laughs> which is an instruction from him. And so I have that record mm. of him saying that. And, of course, he was one of my greatest friends and still is, may I say, still is. Mm. Uh, because, of course, he, although he's physically gone, he's not gone. Mm. Not gone. He could be on the other side of the galaxy and still be here. What an amazing People thought. need to think about that yeah, one. what an amazing but, thought. Um, he, no, he's very, very much present, and I, I want to say this straight away, that people who never physically met him can have a very, very close relationship with him. Uh, or let's just use a different word, link or bond with him. Sure. We might come on to that in a future yeah, show. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, I sort of really saw eye to eye with him on most things. Mm. I mean, even things had nothing to do with the society, like, say, it mm. might be politics, not that he really followed politics, or it might be you know, how to relax or um, dinner or, you mm. know, things like that. I, I certainly wasn't the only one, but the, there were very, very few people, because, as I say, he was quite shy, mm. that he developed personal relationships with. He was let down. I'm going to say that quite frankly over the years by some people he did make friendships with. Um, uh, I'm pleased to say I never left him. Some left him and came back, mm -hmm. which is a good thing, but a certain trust on a personal level had gone. He always mm. gave them the opportunity again, but a certain trust had gone. So I did find, first of all, coming back to the confidence thing, I never noticed a, a scintilla of a moment when he doubted who he was, mm -hmm. what he was, what his mission was, what he was there to do. He, he lived it, and this rubs off on you if you're around him and gives you great confidence and great faith in your fortune. You know, if you are fortunate enough to get into the presence of a master, it obviously impinges on your auras. A lot of writings about that. You are mm. changed by it. If you allow yourself to be, and I, th I think, I'm not saying I always handled it right, by the way, mm -hmm. or that anybody else always handled it right. But if one did, this gives you great faith. So that was one thing. But the other thing was that he, he was quite... Uh, shy, quite reticent. Yeah. And so one of my roles, because we travelled together a fair amount, especially in the UK, not only in the UK, but especially in the UK, um, and, and, and when he was making, uh, meeting up with um, contacts, diplomatic or media contacts or something like that, um, you know, I would 
always be the one to make the introductions. And, I see. And, and not that he was incapable of it, far from it. He had very good manners and he could handle any situation. But it just wasn't his inclination. He, he was a behind-the-scenes operator. And I think there's an example, uh, a behind-the-scenes manipulator. Not a manipulator of people, mm. a manipulator of karma. Mm -hmm. Karma was his thing. Karma was 100% his thing. To understand Dr. King, you've got the K for King and the K for karma. Yeah, yeah, and okay. they go well together because everything he did of any importance was a karmic move. And, I mean, there actually is a quote in the biography which some might find arrogant. It's not arrogant, it's truthful. And I don't think there's anything wrong in saying something about it's yourself true. if it's true. And he said this. This is quite a statement. This, this is Dr King said this in a, in a lecture. You can call me what you like after I've made it. It won't alter the fact that it is true. There are very few masters who have ever walked this earth who could teach me one thing about the law of karma. This is one of my great specialities, and everything I've done in the past 23 years, because that's when he'd done it, mm. he continued some while after this, everything I've done in the past 23 years connected with the Ethereum Society has been a karmic manipulation in one way or another. And he was always making karmic moves for the benefit of the world, for the benefit of the, of the planet, uh, for the benefit of the masters he reported it because he, he was a servant of the karmic gods, you might call them, uh, if you like, the lords of karma, even the supreme lords of karma. Mm -hmm. And that's, this is an even greater thing. To understand that, it's a whole other broadcast, really. You need to look to the 12 blessings about who these supreme lords of karma or what these supreme lords of karma are. But he absolutely lived. He was a karmic agent. There's a chapter called mm. Karmic Agent in the book. And that really explains what he did. And that was his focus more than, so we say, going out on the media, going out teaching, going out... Um, you know, that sure. wasn't so much his thing. I had, I had a, if you like, I can tell you later, a very interesting experience I had with him talking to him about that very thing mm. uh, in San Diego. So w when you say, you know, Carmen who do comic <coughs> manipulation, what does that actually, you know, if we're explaining this to somebody who's never heard yeah. of that before, what is so that? I, An I, example, maybe. Yeah, thank you for that. Thanks. Please pick me up if I'm, <laughs> I'm brushing over something important. So I, I, have, I have found that in referring to, like, when I first found the Ethereum Society, when I first found Dr. King, mm -hmm. I was deeply embedded in um, Buddhist and Vedanta in teachings, looking yeah. into them, and I found the Bhagavad Gita, and I absolutely loved it. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful piece of wisdom. And it, it is about, you might say, karma yoga, really. It's uh, Sri Krishna instructing Arjuna to fulfill his duty, but detached from the results. To, to summarise it, mm. his duty actually as a warrior, but to detach from the results. But, um, and, and also, I'm, I'm a big fan of Swami Vivekananda, and he wrote about karma yoga. When I look at even those great writings now, I, I, I know, you know, some people might not like this, and I, I'm sorry if you don't like this, but to me, they pale. Mm. This is not a criticism of those other masters at all. Uh, maybe in the case of Sri Krishna, he wasn't permitted to give, because he was an extremely advanced Saturnian intelligence, I believe. 
He, you know, maybe he wasn't permitted to give more than he gave then. I don't know. But all I can say, having been taught and having observed and worked and with Dot King and seen him uh, make his karmic moves, his strategic uh, moves for the benefit of all um, and for the benefit of individuals too, he would help people to manipulate karma, to put them in a position mm. to perform important tasks. Uh, having seen that, those things now pale compared to his understanding and teaching about how you can manipulate karma. Let me, let me give you, um, you know, his definition. Okay. We, we all know, as you sow, so shall you reap. Mm -hmm. We know to every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. These are brilliant definitions given uh, of karma. Mm -hmm. um, but here is um, one that he gave, which is, is more advanced, uh, more precise, I would say even more brilliant, and I, I think, not only do I say that, I believe that um, the Lord Buddha confirmed that to Dr. King when he met him wow. on one occasion. Wow. Uh, this is the statement. Karma is pressure towards conformity. It is pressure directing you, the mind, and you, the soul, towards you, the spirit. And that tells you not just what it's doing, mm. but how it's doing it, almost how it feels. Yeah. And it can feel like stress, but it's a good stress. Mm. Stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing if it's an inappropriate thing. If it's mm. karmic pressure, it can also feel extremely uplifting. And one of the things that Dr. King did, I think, is liberate us from this idea that karma's a punishment. Karma's a difficult thing. Oh, Definitely. dear, I'm getting some karma. Definitely. No, make karma. Create positive karma mm -hmm. for yourself and for others. And then, and this is a big thing here, which you won't find, I don't think, anywhere else, you'll be helping the karmic lords. Hmm. In doing that. And that's an even greater thing to do than to help humanity. Mm. But the beauty is when you help humanity, you're helping the karmic lords. It's a beautiful way to put it. And so, you know, if, if you, to, just to kind of... Uh, provide an example maybe to people of what he did in this respect, maybe in, in some aspect of his life or one of the missions that he, that he was doing, what would count as a karmic manipulation? Well, that, all yeah. the missions, okay. I think as he basically said there, that yeah. he created are karmically designed. They're energy designed, but they're karmically designed. So perhaps the, the, the one that comes to mind most is one called Operation Sunbeam, mm -hmm. which is designed to give energy back to the Mother Earth herself, because we owe the Mother Earth so much. This is the missing link in ecology. What do we owe the Mother Earth? No, what, what can we create for our children and grandchildren on yeah. her surface? Yeah. What do we owe her? Mm -hmm. And he devised a mission without going into the, we can, people can sure, find sure. out about that, but if they want to, but whereby we can repay her a tiny fraction of that debt. Now, what that does is a, it's a good thing in itself, but it also manipulates the karma of humanity because humanity is starting to repay a debt, mm. a massive debt, which is hanging over us and, and which we desperately need to be repaying. I mean, we owe every second of experience to the Mother Earth. And he knew that, yeah. and that was another thing that drove him. And so, and just coming back to like your personal relationship, or things that you observed even when you were around him. I mean, um, you talked about what it was like being told off by him, for example. Yeah. I mean, is there any particular story or one that you might observe about what that was? You know, what that was like. What that, what might have been the reason, and how you, you know, how that changed you as a person, or changed an individual that you might have seen. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think there, there, there are many times one, one gets told mm. off. I, I, but if I may, I, I did skip over this little experience about, uh, that I had with him in San Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah, please, yeah. Which relates to the fact that he, he didn't... And this also tells us something about him, because mm. there we were, we were on a beach in San Diego... Uh, on a very rare thing, which was a short vacation, mm. which he took. And with us were Richard Medway and Brian Kniep as well at that time. And they were setting up the room in the hotel. And he and I were on the beach having a morning sherry, which he did <laughs> like, a morning sherry. And he didn't want to equivocate. He liked, he did drink and he did smoke. Um, and he could uh, sometimes have a bad temper, um, if you can call it a bad temper. Um, but... On this occasion, he was actually, which happened more than once, I found, criticising himself. He was a critic. He could criticise Moses hmm. for strategy. Okay. He could criticise Jesus for strategy, but he could definitely criticise himself. He didn't criticise them as intelligences, by the way. He revered mm. them. Mm. He re he, he, the Master Jesus had an enormous effect upon him. And if the Master Jesus called him my son... He okay. could hardly take a, the transmission. Wow. Yeah. Very difficult for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and likewise, the Lord Babaji actually had a mm. massive... There was a tremendous bond between uh, Dr. George King and the Lord Babaji, a tremendous respect both ways. Uh, it's a beautiful thing indeed. But uh, on this occasion, he was, I wouldn't say berating himself, but criticising himself for not being more outgoing, not being on the platform. He didn't really like the public platform. He gave brilliant talks. Mm. He did it. He did a tour of America. He did numerous talks and he did many interviews. He could do it very well, as anyone will attest sure. just by hearing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it wasn't his thing. And he said this to me. Now, here, this is, if you like, a little insight into this conversation. And, and I, mm -hmm. I was saying to him, well, look, you know, you've, you've done, this isn't your job. You've given, you've brought these teachings, you, you know, it's not for you. This is me selling him, you know. <laughs> yeah. the, the masters would send their disciples out to do that. And I suddenly had a thought. I said, look at, look at Moses, I said to him. He got the Ten Commandments. I sometimes wonder what I'm doing, saying <laughs> to him. Yeah. You know, I was trying yeah. to make him feel better about it and not blame himself because he, he, he never stopped. Mm. That's another thing I should mention. He worked all the time. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I, I assume all the time in the sleep state as well. But certainly he never stopped right up to his, through his ill health at the end, right up to the end. And he was looked after, may I say, brilliantly in his latter years by Richard Medway, Brian Kniep, Paul Nugent at the mm -hmm. end. Um, they were on call all the time. I had a, a different task from the very beginning, which was to take on responsibilities. He saw me as a person to give responsibilities to positions of trust to, uh, even at the age of 23, he put me on the London committee, much to the, I think, dismay, actually, of one or two of the then committee members, mm. the old guard, you might yeah. say. Not all of them. Ray was mm. delighted. But um, it was a, quite a large committee. Um, and so that's what he did. I, I received more positions of responsibility from him than anybody else. All the positions I hold now actually were given to me by him. Mm -hmm. um, and so we all had, that was a task I had, and he, liked, he wanted me to run things in London and sometimes in L.A. too if I was over there and he yeah. was in Santa Barbara. Um, so, you know, I had that sort of role, but I was on call 24 hours a day as well for 20 years for him, um, the last 20 years of his life. 
But on this occasion, I, I was trying to make him, you know, I don't agree that he, anyway, that he was duty-bound to do that. You know, he was, he was saving the planet. Sure. So yeah, yeah. I was just saying, look at Moses. Uh, he got the Ten Commandments. I might have my Bible a bit wrong here, but I, <laughs> I, I said, as far as I understand it, he basically turned to the Lord and said, well, how am I going to tell them this? I mean, he, from what all one can tell, had quite a rabble around him. No wish to offend mm. anyone here, but, you know, how am I going to tell this to them? And he, the, answer, the answer he got was um, Aaron. I think your brother Aaron, I think, will do that. So I was talking to him on this beach in San Diego, saying this to him, trying to make him also feel better. And as I did, a little toddler on the beach was playing with a beach ball and kicked the, beat, the, the ball over and it rolled and landed at the, uh, what I call the master's feet, Dr. King's okay. feet. Yeah, yeah. And the mother of the boy, the, the ball rolled up, as I mentioned this about Moses to Dr. King, and the ball rolled up and the mother shouted out, Aaron, get that ball. <laughs> no, she did. Oh, my and God. And <laughs> Dr. King looked at me and he made a comment, I better not repeat, but... <laughs> to do with me but it, it was um, a good one but I, I don't know that that was that was just a little i it's not a really about mm. what i said it's about him mm. that he could be quite self-critical mm. but it just wasn't his thing he was a, a puller of strings i mean if if we were engaged as we were at times in some promotional efforts be it on the healing front sure. be it on um, when contacts with the gods from space we received many faxes from him Mm. And before that, before the facts, it would be telegrams. Mm -hmm. He was a great enthusiast. He, that's one thing I will say. He loved enthusiasm, by the way. I see. He, yeah. di he didn't want people who, who were going to just sort of go, yes, sir, no, sir, mm -hmm. uh, without any feeling. They could say, yes, sir, yeah, yeah. mean it, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, they'd have to mean it. But it's an energy. Enthusiasm is an energy. Mm -hmm. And he picked it up immediately. And he loved it. And he would really almost rather have someone who was a bit too, um, shall we say, maybe bossy or something mm -hmm. around him uh, because he, he could deal with that. Mm -hmm. He could always cut people down to size. Yeah, he had, okay, had no yeah. problem with that yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than too passive. He, he didn't like laziness. It's one thing he really didn't like at all. Uh, he liked workers. Mm -hmm. And he loved hearing or discovering that people were still working even after they'd been knocked off. Oh, yeah, okay. The uh, right attitude. Or had yeah, given yeah. up their time off or okay. had given up, as he was doing all the time. Yeah. So, you know, he was completely... What he was was completely dedicated to the cosmic plan as he saw it. I actually found a beautiful quote to that effect. Um from 1966, uh, which he, when he wrote to the members, actually, he said, mm -hmm. I can assure all members and sympathisers, and I think our viewers could be called sympathisers, they're, they're bothering to listen to us, which is very Thank good you. of them, yeah, yeah. our viewers and listeners, mm -hmm. uh, and sympath I have only one ambition in life, that is to serve the cosmic plan to the best of my ability. I have not any other ambition. All else is subservient to this one great urge, which is growing in my very spirit. And how humble is that? Here mm. you've got him in 1966, after all he'd done by then, mm. saying it's growing in my spirit. <laughs> um, I am not the only such member in the Ethereum Society. There are many more just the same. Their abilities are different from mine, maybe. Yet their one great divine ambition to serve the cosmic plan. 
Such people are indeed truly magnificent, and I am proud to be associated with them. Wow. Wow. And that's, I haven't heard that before. That, no, that, I yeah. just found that yesterday, and I thought I must bring this to the table and see if Darren gives me an opportunity <laughs> to, to read. So humble, isn't it? And also inspiring for others. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and wow. it shows, and it applies now. Yeah. And he'll feel that now, mm. no question. Mm. He knows now. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. What would you, you know, obviously you must have many memorable experiences from your, from your time with him. Yeah, many. I mean, but I mean, maybe specifically like lessons that, you, that, you, that he taught you, which have stayed with you, know, stayed with you even today, which um, um, are ones that you think would be, you know, the last well, few years helpful to share with I've others. I've had even. tests. Okay. I can give an example of a test. Okay. Which was that um, he gave me a most magnificent opportunity uh, which isn't actually available to people now, but it just came about not at his own timing. Um, and what it was, was what is called a Great White Brotherhood standby. Now, he, a standby is when he used to take a position uh, in a particular location when the Great White Brotherhood were, or the Ascended Masters, white, by the way, quickly, let me say, doesn't mean they're, they're white-skinned or sure. male. Sure, yeah. It's just an old-fashioned term yeah. for the, you might call it the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. Mm -hmm. So when they had a movement, some of them had to leave the planet, the world was, is particularly dangerous in their absence. We owe every second of our existence to their presence. They did nothing other than exist on Earth, the Ascended Masters. Let's pay them due tribute right mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. If they did nothing else... That's more than enough. That's enabling our continuance. I think Dr. King once said we wouldn't last more than two minutes, I think he yeah, said. Yeah, I've read that That's too. That's what I, yeah, <clears throat> okay. So they, some of them left. Then there might be a standby where certain uh, masters could go into a particular position, a, a position of significance, like a psychic center of Earth, to help hold the balance while they're out away. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's a karmic move as well. Yeah. But it's arranged by the powers that be. Mm. Now, um, it, it so happened that they were, they were on a, that there was a standby and he couldn't go because he was in Los Angeles. He couldn't get to, say, Lake Powell in time. It's quite short notice. And um, it turned out that because he had consecrated his wife, Monique, and myself as bishops, uh, and because it had been done by him uh, directly, we were able to assume a certain position. Mm. And so Monik um, also couldn't get to Lake Powell in time, so he phoned me up, and I had to get to Scotland. Now, the backdrop, though, to this is that my father had had an angina attack okay. and was in hospital, and I was staying with my mother. So I remember the phone call, and it went something like this. He phoned me up. And, it, and now let me say, this wasn't initiated by him. Okay. The timing of it. And he said, um, I've been approached by the Great White Brotherhood, I think he called them the GWB, mm. uh, for, uh, for a standby. Now, no, at that point, no one had done a standby. I think maybe Monique had done a very short one. Okay. I can't remember which came first, but this was going to be a seven, I think it was, no, I think it was 65 hours, something that was a long standby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he said, I've been approached. I can't get there. Monique can't get there. Um, you could, but, he said, you know, you're, I know your father isn't well. I know he's poorly. 
He said, it's, it's the most important standby a movement of forces for 250,000 years. No. Gosh, gives me chills. I was on the phone and um, say my father was in hospital. I was with my mother. He says, but he said, I know about your father. So what do you want me to tell them? Hmm. He left it to me. He didn't order me to go. Hmm. And that was um, it's one of those difficult tests. It just came about. He, did, he didn't invent the test. It just happened. Um, maybe they did. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it's one of those difficult moments when you know what to do, but it's difficult to do it. Yes. And I think everybody watching yeah. or hearing will know about yeah. those moments. Yeah. Um, I also knew, of course, what helped was I absolutely knew that if I said no, it wouldn't be good for my father. Aha, uh -huh, interesting. I mean, yeah. That was just obvious. Yeah, so to thinking me. about him in that moment. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that if I did go, uh, it would be good for my father. My father was out of, he wasn't in intensive care. He was in the hospital. He had been in intensive care. Okay. Anyway, I, I made the right choice. I had to basically leave the next, I had to get up to Scotland very quickly. I had the honour of doing a, a standby, and that was an experience in itself. Mm -hmm. that, that's not something that is done now by any of us, can't be arranged. Yeah. And the Great World Brotherhood, they, they won't work to our calendar or diary. <laughs> no, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there'd have to be a direct contact. Mm. When I came back, though, my father was, sure enough, um, absolutely fine. Mm. And I, I kind of knew he would be, but it was still a test and still a difficult one. So that, that's an unusual experience. Yeah. I mean, there, there are countless uh, cases. I mean, he would be, he could, as I mentioned, you know, vary from being very humble and accrediting one with you know, more abilities than one really deserved to be credited with, <laughs> at to being very strict and very... Um, uh, quite harsh. I mean, for example, I will give you an example, which Alice and I will both remember. Oh, yeah. on, our, on our wedding night, we were privileged when we got married that he gave us individual blessings mm -hmm. um, the day after, actually. It was the day after our, as it were, legal wedding um, in, in a registry office. We had a, a ceremony yeah. and he came down and blessed each one of us. Mm -hmm. And he... So that was, if, if you like, our wedding night. And so we, went, we were going off, you know, we weren't going on a honeymoon because he was still there. He'd asked us actually to get married while he was still in the country. I did. Which was very nice of mm. him actually, uh, more than nice. <laughs> and so he gave us that blessing, but he didn't bless the wedding per se. He didn't really bless weddings okay. per se, because that puts a great responsibility on, on the people. Um, but on the other hand, he did come to, it was a blessing on our, for our wedding of us. Sure. So let's put it that way. Anyway, that night we went out. Uh, when I came back, um, about midnight or so, we went to a, a nightclub, I think, something like that. Mm -hmm. Came back. He, he called me. Late, uh, it was late at night, yeah. Right. And, and, and told me off for some, what I consider, I might be wrong, to be quite spurious okay. mistake. It was a mistake <laughs> to do with, I think, someone who'd come to an activity that I didn't tell him would come. Okay. It's almost like something that on another day you wouldn't, wouldn't know. Yeah. So I spent that night, um, he gave me a, a task to do. That night, I had to write some, some letters and different things. 
And so I didn't sort of, as it were, inverted commas, consummate the marriage in <laughs> the way you're busy that <laughs> most people would, and okay. he made sure of that. Okay. And uh, that, that, to me, I, I, I completely understood it. Alison completely understood it. it. It didn't even look like a real mm-hmm. situation. It was clearly a karmic manipulation. It's clearly a price to pay for, um, you know, receiving a, a blessing, blessing from, from a master like that mm. on, on your wedding. Wow, amazing. Um, and maybe more. So sometimes it would be quite legitimate. He literally was uh, annoyed with people. They, and, and it was, he, he had a very, very frustrating time. As I say, he did get engaged and fully engaged, whereas mm. some of the old yogis wouldn't have done yeah. in the running and, and down to details. Um, and, you know, when you're working with people that are slower than you are, and everybody was slower than he was mentally, yeah. mm. um, it is frustrating, of course, for him. And so he could generally get irritated, but he could also create situations. And yes. I'm sure he did. I mean, I'll give you another example that may sound shocking nowadays. I don't oh, know yeah. to people. When I was really quite new, um, and I, I used to come, I used to be, I was a school teacher in Fulham, and I used to, in the lunch break, if I wasn't on lunch duty at the school, I'd run back because he would be having his lunch at Ethereum's house when he was in England mm. in the term time. There's very few people there in the daytime. Sometimes he was just having lunch with uh, uh, Doris Robertson, a lady who used to okay. cook it, and maybe Stella Nielsen, um, Ray if he was about, and not much else. So I would rush back and had the honor of sitting there, and sometimes my favorite thing is he might give me some food that he had had on it but didn't want okay and you know it was uh even then i was like um you know sort of as i say the would-be yogananda-esque devotee right from the beginning i wanted that more than any positions by Mm. the way that Mm. was always the thing that i sought in those days Mm. later i learned because he taught me to focus on the task at hand i see and i moved from being like (laughs) his follower to becoming his Friend to becoming someone who I, I hope was helped him. I see. Yeah, uh, that's what I really it's a lesson then wanted in itself to there, do. Those I three. I remember yeah. going through those three stages mentally mm. over the years, actually. Mm. Um, but on this occasion, I was really quite new. I was sitting there, although I was a school teacher. I was, I was only about twenty-four or so, a music teacher in the local secondary school. Yeah. And um, he got up. Um, he walked in, and he and he, he had a book in his hand, and he came up, and he. He hit me on the head with this book. <laughs> okay. And it made such a noise, I remember, that Stella Nielsen jumped up and, went, ah, and, and involuntarily said, Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And he said, Just in case. Just in and case. Now, the thing that's interesting there is it did not hurt at all. There was like no pain. Interesting. At all. Hmm. And no damage at all. And I, I mean, I, as I say, some people now say, oh, that's shocking. That's but, um, you know, if, you, if you'd studied as I had, say, the life of Miller Rapper, where he like, jumped out of a first floor building to escape his teacher, the great Marpa, the translator, wow. who had yeah. a stick. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah. Um, but, he fa- but Miller Rapper gained enlightenment in one life. But I, I know you can't, I mean, some of the Zen schools, they would get their twigs out and beat people if they weren't concentrating. Mm. And that's, that would be, they'd probably be had up for assault, probably, <laughs> now. But, you know, this was the old school. I was familiar with it. I knew what he was doing. 
And as I say, there was no pain. That's something I did notice with him, actually. Uh, not always, but by and large, even if he was really quite annoyed and shouting at you and he'd call you Lawrence and oh, yeah. so forth, not Richard at that moment, and, you know, um, I didn't... It wasn't bad energy yeah. that you would get if somebody else was annoyed. Mm. It, it wasn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. It was very dynamic, but it wasn't negative. And another thing I found, when he got quite ill, which he did at the end, and I'm not the only one by any means who gave him healing in his latter years, but sure. I was one of the people who did. Um, actually, wasn't even one of his main healers at the very end, but when I was there, I would give him healing. Yeah. And in, he's lying in bed, and you, you've got your hands on his, in my case, it might have been his feet. Um, he had cancer towards the end. That's no secret now. Mm. And... But yet, the energy, it was like entering a temple. Mm. And it shouldn't be, you wouldn't think it would be with someone suffering from an illness like that. I mean, I've had cancer. Yeah, you know, thank God yeah. I've been you know, cured. But, mm. um, but then, of course, it was less understood uh, as an illness. But it was always a very pure, beautiful energy, as far as I was concerned. Around him. Around yeah. him. Mm. And although, as I say, he had the persona sometimes of a, an old-fashioned colonel barking orders and oh, yeah. a bit irritable and yeah. where's my sherry and <laughs> you need to all of that, actually, he was as pure. I mean, he was, as I've said before, I'm absolutely convinced, and having talked to him, I'm convinced, completely celibate, for example. Mm. And he was, you know, even though he was a total warrior, he was pacifistic. So... That, uh, you know, well, let me say, he wasn't pacifistic, that's wrong. He was a conscientious objector in the war, because he had to be. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really what he wanted to be. And that too came out, and I think it was important to him in his older years. Uh, he did make contact with some veterans and so on from the war, and I was involved in that too with him, in making the, the, the contacts. And I think it meant something to him because it just wasn't his natural way, as it would be with a certain type of traditional yogi, you might say. Mm. Well, those are lovely reminiscences and, and even lessons, I think, that people can take away, you know, a, a deeper insight into Dr. King. Mm. Um, I will say that next week I'd love to get into um, a little bit more about... Um, you know, what it can mean forming a link with him, even if you haven't met him physically. Yeah. Uh, you know, for anyone, you know, even in my position, for example, never met Dr. King, but he can still be a part of my life and, you know, the life of anyone who wishes to, um, you know, follow in his path and his teachings. So... For sure. When you, you were helping him, you were serving the karmic gods. Mm. And that's another aspect which is completely different, which I don't think you're going to find in any other uh, teaching on, on karma. Not just using karma to benefit others and to benefit yourself, but to benefit, to some tiny degree, the very lords of karma themselves. And perhaps we can pick up on that next time. Thank you, Richard. Everybody, it's Darren here. Thanks for tuning into the show. Now, if you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe for more wisdom from the Nine Freedoms. If you'd like to find out more about the Nine Freedoms, about Mars Sector 6 by Dr. George King, go to our website, that's ethereus.org. Richard and I love hearing from you, receiving your comments, your questions, on your spiritual experiences, and talking about them on the show. So do write to us, share them with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. See you next time.